0: Hello and welcome. I'm Sophie Kilvert and I'm a Client Advisor in the UK Wealth Management Business of Rothschild & Co. Today I'm delighted to be joined by one of the world's greatest solo offshore sailors, Alex Thompson. Among his many achievements, he was the youngest skipper ever to win a round-the-world race, that was the Clipper race in 1999. And he's also completed the Vendee Globe race four times, coming third in 2012 and won better in 2016, despite a broken foil early in the race. Now Alex is currently preparing for the 2020 race, which should start in November. Alex, despite the current difficulties, how is your preparation going?
1: But we're, we're not in bad shape, actually. The, the boat's uh, uh, in the water, so finished, been repaired from the Transat Jacques Vaab, which is good. Uh, and we just managed to get the boat in the water before the lockdown came in. So now we are currently waiting uh, to see whether we're when we can be relaxed so we can start sailing. Currently, are you we're, not, we're, la- we're not allowed to sail, really, with the uh, with the UK government's advice
0: fair enough um and so how much more preparation would you ideally like to do before november
1: uh, add another year would be helpful <laughs> <laughs> uh I, you know i think we're we we uh we try to give ourselves more time than than four years ago this time but the time just gets sucked in so much so you'd always pre- wish for more preparation time but the longer you are preparing the more out of date your technology is. So it, there's, a, there's a crossover between being too early or or being too late.
0: Well, obviously, the lockdown at the moment, uh, people are having to deliberately cut themselves off from people. It's the first time that, that many people will have done that. You're obviously more used to it than, than many, putting yourself hundreds of thousands of miles away at sea. So I'm hoping we might be able to draw on some of your experiences so that we can work out how to survive and and even hopefully thrive in this situation so when you're in the race it's obviously pretty relentless um there are different challenges every day do you try and introduce some sort of routine to your days
1: um it would be lovely to have some routine and i definitely say it's something that's helpful in in today's situation so certainly i find it useful to have some structure in the in the uh the current days but uh, but on the boat there is a few things that that um that gives you structure the main thing is is uh the weather forecast right so the weather forecasts come in from two different places four times a day each and they're on fixed times according to uh, gmt and of course as you sail around the world the gmt changes uh, well, the GMT stays the same, but you're in obviously in, in different time zones mm. around the world. So sometimes you can be eating your breakfast uh, at, uh, at the <laughs> middle of the night if you follow that. But the, the, so the weather forecasts are always coming in at the same time. So that's a check-in for me. And the other thing that comes in at the same time are the positions of the other boats, which I get five or six times a day. So that's a, it's a real uh, check-in moment for me.
0: So they kind of provide a, a, an anchor for your day, as it were.
1: It's the same times at the same day but as I say it's quite odd because although it's the same time in the day um, it locally it can be very different and, and it may be that it's you know midday but it's pitch black. so mm. it can be it can be quite weird but, but having those fixed moments allows ev- everything else in the day to go around them. So um, when the weather for- forecasts are coming in um, you know I' make sure I'm not doing a sail change at the same time. So I might be doing a media interview. So I'll make sure that those times in the day are are freed up and I'm able to concentrate on them. And in
0: terms of how your your day changes, obviously what you're doing takes a lot of endurance. You're you're out on the water for, in the last race, 10 or 11 weeks or so. Are there moments of calm, small moments that you get to enjoy?
1: Um, there, there, There are always moments to enjoy, bits and pieces, but they're quite fleeting, um, you know, the 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 for me the race is governed by the positions, if, if I'm doing well in the race, to or above expectations, I'm happy, and, and the opposite if I'm not doing very well in the race, so the, they're the moments If I've made 20 miles in a, in a, in a four-hour sked, uh, I'll be over the moon.
0: And when you are over the moon, do you reward yourself with something? Is there a, a treat that you give yourself, or, or is it metaphorical?
1: Uh, yeah, a bit metaphorical. My, my sports psychologist actually—he—he he really wanted me to break the race down into lots of little sections. So at the end of each section, at the end of each goal, I could give myself a, a virtual pat on the back. Um, and 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 that's uh, a goal-setting exercise, really. To uh, when we as humans have achieved a goal, then then that causes chemical reactions in the brain around endorphins, around dopamine, which actually make us feel better. So. Uh, that's one of the things on goal setting for me personally i prefer to think of the race as it's just going to be tough it's going to be horrible uh and and i'm and i'm not going to enjoy it which means any enjoyable moments are suddenly a bonus so uh i I guess in some ways it's it's planned for the worst hope for the best
0: so in terms of that, that goal setting, you use kind of short-term goals, smaller goals to, to try and achieve. I know that many people, I think when lockdown first happened, thought they might be trying to achieve big, grand projects and would be disappointed possibly if they, they hadn't got there. But you kind of tend to just use smaller projects that you can actually do, achieve and then move on.
1: Yeah, my, as I said, my sports psychologist wanted me to do it geographically, i.e., you know, I've made it to the Canaries and the Cape 30s and the Doldrums past the equator, etc. Whereas for me, I, 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 it wasn't working for me. I, I think for me, it's better to be able to uh, choose an immediate goal that I'm going to do. So for me, that might be I'm going to change a sail or I'm going to do a, you know, spend a couple of hours uh, studying the weather. But you know, sometimes it just feels like it's all too difficult. You know, it's too difficult to to even. Re- to even you know make a video and edit it for the media so so at those kind of moments when I'm struggling to 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 uh to actually motivate myself to do something I just carry on breaking the goals down until I get to something that's just really easy to achieve and that might be eating a packet of nasty food Uh, that (laughs) might be phoning my wife uh but just, just a small little task and then once you've achieved that task then you can become ambitious. You can build it bigger, 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 uh, and, and until you feel it's too big again. So I'm constantly changing my goals, and I think what's really important is we, if we choose to do too much, or we try to do too much, then we're going to find it demotivating if it's not achievable. So goals need to be achievable, and once we achieve them, we should feel better.
0: And how do you react when things go wrong. I mean, obviously they, they must go wrong. You're, you're in a difficult situation out there. H- how do you cope with that sort of environment?
1: Well, I cry loudly.
0: Uh, <laughs> no one can hear yeah. you, I
1: suppose. <laughs> no, no one, no one can hear you. And honestly, sometimes I do cry. Um, so Sometimes it just feels so insurmountable, so difficult, that it's impossible to be able to deal with. But, um, you know, I've kind of trained now that when something goes wrong on board the boat, a technical problem that that, that something's happened, then uh, the first thing I need to do is follow uh, follow the process that we've already set out as a team. And the first thing is to inform the team of what's happening. Um, you know, for me, I, I certainly, I'm, I'm an emotional person, so I feel when something goes wrong, I really do feel it. It's a, mm. you know, a crushing blow when something goes wrong. But I've, I've been able to... I, pull myself out of that very, very quickly and and, and managed to focus on the positive side, whatever that positive side may be, and to, to roll through and, and get the job done. I, I think on sailing boats sometimes it can be a bit different than normal life because often when something goes wrong on a sailing boat, it's the start of a chain reaction that can cause a catastrophe. Mm. And so, it, it all, I think maybe for almost all seamen, but certainly as I've been trained, is is once something happens you you really need to stay on top of it to stop the chain uh, that can ultimately lead to something catastrophic
0: so in in terms of that you, you mentioned that you always try and and find the positive in the situation have you always been the type of person that's able to find positives in 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 difficult times
1: mm, I, I don't know about that but you know probably since in my uh in my career of uh, solo sailing, I've, I've had a, a, quite a few things that have happened to me that, I guess, in the end, really, you know, when things happen to you, there, there's two ways of looking at it. You can look at it as a negative, um, uh, or you can look at it as a positive. And even terrible things, in 2008, we launched this brand-new boat. It was absolutely perfect, ready for the race. Um, and uh, a few weeks before the race, just before we arrived in La Sable de L'Anne, the start, we were hit by a French fishing boat, which left a five-meter hole in the side of the boat. Anyway, we managed to fix the boat. Um, we uh, had it ready just a couple of days before the start of the race, and I started the race, and two days into it, uh, I hit something in the water, and the boat was destroyed or damaged, and I was out of the race. So I had to sail two days back to de d'Ilonne, going the wrong way. Four years of of, uh, of work and effort down the drain. Um, and I felt succinctly sorry for myself during that little sail on the way back. And it probably took me 24 hours to realize, to search, to find what the positive was. And in the end, the positive was that while everybody else was sailing around the world in the Vendée Globe in, in 2000, and eight, I was going to put together the best campaign for 2012, which meant that, as far as I was concerned, I was already a year ahead of anybody else. So it was quite an odd way of doing it, but often when things go wrong, it's caused by mistakes. And a mistake is really an opportunity to be able to learn. As long as we're not making the same mistakes twice, it's an opportunity to learn. And in some ways, uh, in, in our team, we celebrate mistakes sometimes, because it is the, the, the real place where you learn lessons.
0: Mm. I mean, if you're not, the, the classic Adash, if you're not making mistakes, you're, you're not learning. And I think, I think that's very important, I think, to be able to embrace those mistakes and also to, to find the positives in them um, is something that helps people develop and, and helps people learn and, and move on.
1: Yeah, I t- totally agree. So it, it's, it's certainly in, in our sport where it's development, 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 you know, unless you're making a mistake, unless you're getting it wrong, you, you, you're not even trying.
0: Mm. You're obviously away for, for pretty long periods of time and, and you must miss your family and, and friends when, when you are away. Do you get regular contact with them when you're at sea?
1: Yeah, there, there's the technology now in theory to to have regular contact and one would imagine actually it would be video conference but um, in the last few races that hasn't really been available so my friends and family are available to me at the end of the telephone call a bit of a scratchy uh, delayed audio okay. telephone um, call but all the same they're there and uh, you know I love speaking to them I love speaking to my wife sometimes she won't want to speak to me because she might be in the supermarket shopping <laughs> but to be honest, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I'd love to speak to her in the supermarket so she can describe all the wondrous food that she's seeing,
0: rather than the uh, packet of dehydrated something that you're you're currently enjoying. Exactly. How is the food on the boat? Is it is it that terrible?
1: Uh, it's pretty good now, actually. In some ways, um, you know, it's, it's mainly dehydrated, so there's no water in it, so it weighs. About a third or a quarter of what it would would do hydrated, and and obviously dehydrating food is is you know is, is compromising uh, the taste perhaps in some ways. But uh, I, I work now with a Norwegian firm, um, and they uh, there's four or five that I would almost say you could almost serve them for dinner at a dinner party and perhaps get away with it. Really? What, just, what a, just just a few.
0: <laughs> what what other things do you miss when when you're away obviously your friends and family normal food um are there any other things that you really crave while while you're at sea
1: I think one of the things I when you leave on the race which you're, you're kind of aware of but but not is that you know there, there is you're on edge for, for the whole 74 days so even when you're asleep you're not really asleep um you know that and you don't i'm not sure you really feel the weight of that until you return and so i guess i miss that freedom really the freedom to be able to you know to feel a bit light and fancy free <laughs>
0: mm. and um i think it's one of the interesting things at the moment i'd be interested on your taking this i think many people at the moment obviously they need to consume news to to know what's going on on in the world but I think there are some concerns that people are consuming a a lot of it, maybe even too much. Do you keep up to date with things when you're on the boat, not just knowing where you are uh, in terms of the race but, but do you also try and keep up with current affairs to keep yourself in contact with what's going on so you're not completely sort of adrift and alone
1: in the world? Good, good word, adrift. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. Yes, I, I'm a bit of a news junkie. Actually, I love, I love news, and I love keeping uh, up to date when I go around the world. But uh, there's, there's something certainly at the moment when all this kicked off. I ended up finding myself sat in front of the TV for hours and hours during mm. the day, listening to often the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. And re- really, I don't. I find it it's not healthy at all. I don't think. You know, I think it's. You know, I, I now. Um, take a look at the BBC news in the evening, six or seven o'clock, um, and first thing in the morning, and and then I ditch it for the rest of the day. Otherwise, it can be a bit distracting. You know, you're hearing this news all the time, they're drumming into the gravity of the situation, and the gravity of the situation, and the gravity of the situation. It just exacerbates it, makes it worse. So, uh, I think it's best to try and avoid um, news for as much of the day as you can. And while on
0: the subject of News actually, obviously, people are now talking a lot more about the possibility of, of what happens when the lockdown ends. Is it going to be lifted soon? How, when you're in that racing situation, how do you feel when it feels like you're getting towards the end of the race? Do you look forward to it, or is it a case of just focusing on the job in hand and, and what you're doing at that moment?
1: You know, I spent it's such a big thing to go and finish this race. Um, that i try never to think about the end anymore because really? if i think about the end then i feel like i could become complacent and there is no place for complacency on these boats absolutely none so so i try very hard not to think about the end if i find myself thinking about the finish line then i quickly switch it off and uh, and i try and wait you know until the uh, till the final moment mainly that's about me trying not to become complacent but it also, I can tell you, makes the feeling at the end so much bigger. Mm. And, and for all of us, including me, you now we're all trying to second guess what's going to happen. How long is the lockdown lock, going to last? How's, how are we going to exit it? There's so many different ways it can happen. And for me, what I'm trying to do is just not try and second guess what's going to happen. So I'm trying to, um, you know, concentrate on the focus on what I've got in front of me, I've got my family. I've got still some work to do but try and keep fit keep training and try not to to think too far uh, away from that
0: yeah that, that makes a lot of sense i think this is a situation that obviously people aren't used to and haven't been in before um so it's fascinating talking to you who while it it is obviously not the same it's it it you've been in a situation that most people haven't been in um, in terms of being on your own and being out of contact with daily life for a bit. Um, so, I mean, certainly from what I've taken from, from our conversation is that setting yourself those, those small goals that you, you can achieve, being able to find the positive in situations, and also sort of not second-guessing what you're going to do, would, would be things that people could take away from this um and really try and work towards to, to just make the situation a bit easier
1: yeah no I, I, absolutely De- definitely i found it i mean it is different it's a different situation the third the big difference is is obviously i choo- i'm choosing to go and spend 74 days alone at sea whereas we in the current situation you know we've been ordered to essentially to do that so there, there is there are some subtle differences around it but I definitely found in my career trying not to second guess every situation, trying not to, you know, trying to try and not spin it in a way that that that, 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 that might not necessarily work is is really important.
0: Well, that's great. Thank you so much for, for coming on today and sharing your, your insights and your experiences um, out, out in the race and, and, and in the ocean. Um, We really appreciate it. Um, Let me wish you the best of luck with the Bondi race later this year. Um, And thank you very much. And thanks for listening.
1: No problem. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co for information purposes only.
1: This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co.